Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Let's join together for just a moment as we jump into the Word of God, and we're going to look over together into the book of Philippians. We're still on our letters from prison, uh, and we have the Apostle Paul who is writing to us. He's speaking to us, uh, and to this morning, we're going to look about being confident in Christ. Our confidence is important, right? And there's a couple kinds of confidence that we can think of uh, here this morning uh, when we think about confidence. And one of those types of confidence that we're aware of is self-confidence, right? We're all aware of self-confidence. And uh, this first one here is having that internal confidence uh, in your own ability to accomplish something. So that's kind of what self-confidence is. And some people just have that they have that innate self-confidence in their lives, and they kind of are the type of people that they'll jump into the ring, and they're swinging already. They're ready to go, and they don't think anything is going to stop them because they're going to keep moving. All right. But then you have the second form of confidence, and it's confidence in another person. And uh, this is when you know someone else has your best interest in, interest in mind, and they're going to do what it takes to be able to help you to accomplish something in your life. And so th this person may not jump into the ring swinging unless there is another person there willing to tag team with them. And we, we tend to call that a team. Right? That's what a tag team is. It's, it's a team. One person uh, works for a while, then the next person comes in. And so you have that confidence in another person. But, but both of these can be powerful in our lives, whether it's the self-confidence we have, but also the confidence in another. It, it, they're both important, and we need some self-confidence, but, confidence, but we also need to place our confidence in others as well in our daily lives. When it comes to our faith journey, both of these forms of confidence uh, really have their place, but it, it's especially important for us to become confident in, with our faith in Christ. We need to be able to look to Him, and, and this really leads us to a key question this morning as we're jumping into the Word here shortly. Uh, are you confident enough in Christ that you can press on toward the goal of God's call for you to serve Him in your life? Are you confident enough in Him? Are you trusting in Him enough to be able to push forward and to walk with Him? Now, I'm not talking about your confidence in the flesh, or your own works, or the traditions that you may hold in your life uh, from church and for other things. I'm not talking about that. I'm also not talking about your own human performance, your ability to do things in a certain way. I, I, we're not talking about that. We need to be able to take a mature view of things, and that's what the Apostle Paul says here later on in, in verse or chapter 3 of Philippians. And, uh, and he's challenging us, and really here in this passage that we're looking at, he is balancing out the idea of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, we talked about that last week. 
and he's working on making some correction here for these believers while he is stuck in jail. And this is what he said. Why don't you read it with me as you look here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. It's on the screen and it says this, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. This is no trouble. Uh, it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those uh, mutilators of the flesh, for uh, it is we who are the circumcision, that circumcision of the heart that he's talking about. We who serve God by his spirit, who bro uh, boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, in those outward religious things, right? Then he says in verse 4, he said, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, he says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he goes on and he talks about that. We're not going to read all those at this point this morning, and he deals with some of those things. And it's here that the Apostle Paul goes on to list some of his personal performance that gives him what many uh, would have called righteousness or great privilege back in that day and time. But today we're, we're going to look at a few things from what the Spirit of God says here through the Apostle Paul. And the first thing is this. Be confident enough in Christ to safeguard your faith. Be confident enough in Christ to safeguard your faith. So Paul has, uh, he's written them to, uh, uh, before about some things, some of the same old problems, and he isn't going to let them be caught off guard. And, and he's writing to them to help them to safeguard their faith from poor teaching about Christ, because it was evident that they had that going around. It was passing around there among the Philippians, and that's why the Apostle Paul, one reason why he's writing this letter this morning. And uh, so, so he's, uh, he's trying to help them. It's basically the false teaching, uh, and it seems like the same old things trip up every generation only. They come with a different color. They come with a different coat. They come with a different cover, right? Uh, it's every generation has different things that come out. It's like the criminal who's walking down the street and he has a, a black hoodie on and he's casing the place, right? He's trying to check everything out and so he comes down, he's got the black hoodie on. And then he decides he needs to come back through another time. So he takes the hoodie off, looks different. He has a nice blue shirt on and then he walks back through the neighborhood to case the place in a different way. And so even though he's still the same guy, he still has the same lack of ethics, and he's still going to go the same direction, but he looks different, right? And that's kind of the things that we deal with in this world today. Some of the things that they dealt with in Paul's time, really, we deal with today. And he's trying to correct some of that. And so we have to be careful that we're not pulled into teaching that sounds spiritual, only to be destroyed by that type of teaching. And so this is where we can balance out the working out your salvation with fear and trembling, which, what, what, he talked, what we talked about last week. And it's, it's, it's legitimate and it's right for what Paul said. Yet some may say that the only way that you can be accepted by God is purely based on your performance. It's just not the reality. It's just not true. 
And that's a person that, that puts on a facade. They choose to put a facade on, and, and they choose to look a different way than they really are. And so their confidence is based on their own self-confidence, not their confidence in Christ. And that's why it's important for you and I that we make sure that we don't live with the facade on, but that we live who we, we live out to be who we really are and allow the Lord to work in our lives and then work through our lives. So the Holy Spirit here says through the Apostle Paul that he's reminding God's people to safeguard themselves from some teaching like this that is spiritually dangerous. So it doesn't mean that we aren't supposed to live right, because we are. We are supposed to live righteous. We are supposed to live right before the Lord. There's no question about that. But the outward works that we do are, not, are out of the love that God has shown towards us. We know when He has forgiven us, it causes us to respond by living in a better fashion, right? And living for Him and allowing that transformation that He started in our heart to work through our lives. And that should be happening in each and every one of us. And it's a step-by-step -step thing, right? It's not, we, we don't just get up one morning and everything is totally changed and we all, all of a sudden li start living perfect because that's not the way it is. But we, once there's a transformation of faith in our lives and there's something that's going to happen and Christ is going to bring us closer to Him day by day. Look, look at how the Apostle Paul handles uh, the popular teachers of his day, right? We have popular teachers now, and they tell us all kinds of things in this world. And they say they're Christian, and they are. But at times, they bring some things out that is just not accurate. It's just not always right, and that's why we need to know the Word of God. But look what Paul says here. Uh, uh, he, these teachers, they, they pushed performance. And he says there in verse 2 these words. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. He, he uses three labels there for them. He titles them with, with a couple things there. He, the first one is dogs, which the dogs, it implies a, a wild animal that's vicious, it's homeless, that they roamed around the streets and uh, they, uh, they attacked people along the way. That's just what they did. Dogs was tended to be used figuratively in the scripture, and it was always a term, really a reprimand of correction uh, in the lives of people. And Jesus even used it in reference to his opponents, uh, or uh, the opponents of God's truth over in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. So he dealt with that. So these dogs, as Paul says, were those who wanted to show off their righteousness. They wanted to show it off. They wanted to appear righteous when they really weren't righteous inside. They just appeared that way. They just looked that way. And uh, he, he's referred to the Old, Old Testament rites and even to some of the special, uh, the special observances from the Old Testament law, which, which was demanded in the Old Testament. And, and Paul is dealing with that, and it didn't, it didn't start that way. People didn't start by saying, hey, let's, let's put on this facade and let's, let's go through these rites so we look good, so we look righteous. They didn't really start that way. 
you, you realize that that's the case when you go back in the Old Testament because early on, before the Old Testament law, before uh, Moses wrote the law, there was Abraham who started out as Abram and, and he made a covenant with God. God made a covenant with him. And uh, it involved these rites. It involved that, and it was, it was honest, it was heartfelt faith that was responding to God. And so as for us today, as followers of Jesus, we need to be able to allow the thing that God wants to do in our lives to be something, we need to respond to it from a heartfelt sense of love towards Him. Something must happen in the heart. It must not just be something on the outside. It must be an internal thing that God has done within us. And then the outward starts changing. Why? Because God has done something in our lives. So protecting your faith comes through reading the Word of God for yourself and knowing what the New Testament tells us about these truths. It is important. It is imperative for us to do it. It's also about setting under some sound teaching mixed with prayer and experiencing God for ourselves. We need to know Him. We need to interact with Him. Would you, would you want a technician repairing your computerized car if he never broke open a manual? Well, let, let's take it another step for, further. Would, would, you ever, uh, would you ever want a doctor doing heart surgery on your body and if he had never read a book or worked under another uh, physician that knew how to do that? I don't, think so. I don't think so. The first guy, uh, we would call them a shade tree mechanic. The second guy, we would call them a quack, right? That's just the reality. So, so we don't want to walk in those kind of ways. And uh, Paul is reminding us that we need to safeguard our faith from those who bring a different gospel. A gospel that doesn't line up with the New Testament. A gospel that doesn't line up with the scripture. And, and he said there in verse 3, these words, he says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast not in our works or not what we can do or not in the rights that we have before us, but who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, we don't put confidence in our outward religious things or our outward performance. We have to be able to boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't boast because we can lead you in worship. I can't boast because I can preach the Word of God. We can't boast because we can run the sound. We can't boast because we can greet. We can't boast because we can teach children. We can't boast because of those things. But what we can do is we can boast in Jesus Christ because it is He and He alone who has saved our lives. And that is a thing that we must remember in our walk. So when we step out of this building, we go, live, go to live our everyday life, we can't boast about all those things. But what we can boast in is about Jesus. We can't brag about all those things. Jesus has done something for us. See, most people in Paul's time misunderstood the Old Testament as well as the teachings of the early church. And that's why he had to say things like this to the Philippians. And Paul compared circumcision performed without hands with the believer's removal from spiritual death translated into spiritual life, and he, he said that over in Colossians chapter 2. 
there's another thing here besides being confident enough in Christ to safeguard ourselves. The second thing is this. Be confident enough in Christ to recognize that human performance by itself does not make you righteous. It doesn't put you in a right standing with God. So human performance by itself does not make you righteous. Let's look at what it says here in verse 7. Verse 7 says this, But whatever uh, whatever uh, were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the un- because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He's like, guys, I've lost everything to be able to serve the Lord. He goes on and he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis, not of works, but on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Now, I think most people say, well, I I like the resurrection part, but I don't know that I want to have to participate in any of the sufferings that happen in my faith. Now, we do understand that he's not talking about participating in the sense of us taking part in the actual crucifixion. Because there is that misunderstanding out there, even in the Philippines, there, uh, nearly every year there will be people that actually have themselves nailed to crosses like Jesus was because they think that's part of their lot. It's a misunderstanding. It's a false teaching. It's something that they do. That's a misunderstanding. So that's not, that's not what we're saying there. And, and he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him and in his, in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That there's a transformative work that happens in our life by faith when we look to Christ. See, when Paul was converted on the Damascus Road so many years before this, he learned to view his advantages as disadvantages because of Christ. that They hadn't provided him with real righteousness, with true righteousness at all. That's not what they provided for him. And those things really became a problem for him like they, they have for many people. And it's like that it can trick people to think that they're okay with God because they do certain things. It can be deceiving at times for people. And so Paul calls these things a loss, saying that those things, they're trash, they're rubbish, they're, they're, they're worthless, they're not worth anything in a person's life. So God, good pro- human performance by itself does not mean that you have a right relationship with God. So here's this apostle. Here's Paul, he's there, he's, he's in prison, and he, he goes on to say something significant here in verse 8. He said, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
So if you, if you look, the only thing that really matters is knowing and following Jesus Christ at this point in our lives. And, and Paul even qualifies this by saying, I have lost everything for him, and it's worth the loss. There he's in prison, and he could say, you know what, I've lost it all, but the fact is, it's worth the loss. And for us as followers of Jesus, in the day that you and I live, we need to be able to recognize that if we do have loss because of our faith in Jesus, it is worth it because we know that he has our back and he will take care of our lives. We need to look to him and we need to trust him, put our faith in him and then walk with him knowing that he is with us. So he calls all those things loss. And the only thing that really matters is knowing and following Jesus. Paul even qualifies this by saying this. He said, uh, I've lost everything for him, and it's worth it. He was tired of the facade, right? He had lived that facade before he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He had lived that facade. He, he, was, he was a Jewish man of all Jews. He, he, was, he, was, a, uh, he was a legalistic guy. He followed the, the legalistic Pharisees who, who, who crossed every I and uh, dotted every I and crossed every T. They, they did those things. They were really careful in how they lived by faith. He was tired of all that, though. And, and he didn't want to concern himself with a, with a, with what others thought about him. So human performance or external righteousness wasn't his goal. He had a real race to run, a legitimate race to run, and it was to know Jesus Christ. So many people don't realize what race they're, they're going to run. Uh, what, uh, do, you, do, you know what a ra- do you know what race you're in? Could you imagine with me that you're going, you're at the starting line of the 400 meter race? They tell you it is a 400 meter relay race. And so you are there at the starting line and you are ready to go. You've you're got your feet in the blocks. You're ready to pour on the steam to really get moving. You, the, you have the guy there. He says, ready, set. And then he fires off the firearm and you go and you sprint as hard as you possibly can run. Why? Because you know this is, this is a 400-meter relay race, and so you're expecting to go as fast as you can for about the quarter of the turn, and then you pass it off to the next guy, right? So you are running as hard as you possibly can, and while you are almost there, almost to the next person, you're not even looking, you're just looking at the lines, and you look up to see the person, person not standing there you have run full bore all the way to that point you look and they're not standing there you look over there's no one for your opponent standing there either then it dawns on you this is not the 400 meter relay race this is the 400 meter race I have to run 400 meters, and I have put every ounce of my energy in the very first quarter of this race. Now what's going to be remaining for the rest of the time there? Not much. You won the first portion, but you're going to lose the rest of the race. Why? 
because you did not know what race that you were running. You ran too fast to be able to finish well. Have you ever seen those in their faith that have ran too fast to be able to finish well? I remember a guy when I was out in central Kansas, when I was going to a, a college out there, and I had left there, and, and uh, I had ended up uh, going and working and starting in the ministry, and I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this same guy I met, I remember meeting him. He came to faith, and he was like a mover and a shaker. When he came to faith, his world had changed, and so he's going to make sure everybody knows about the gospel, et cetera, et cetera. And he was on fire. By the time I saw him in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he came to the Bible college I was at. He was a flash in the pan. He didn't know the race he was in. Do you know what race you're running? Are you running in the flesh or are you running in the spirit? Are you running in the spirit? In other words, following Christ. Are you running with flesh or your own human effort? See, the apostle of, of Jesus goes on to say this in verses 8 and 9 here again. And he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. The Old Testament law that tells us, do this, don't do that. Walk this way, don't walk that way. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, not on the basis of works, Works comes out of our faith because something has happened in our lives, and it should come out of our lives. If you're running the wrong race, then you will never receive the right prize. If you're running in the flesh based on your own outward righteousness, then you will miss out on the grace of God in your lives. If you're going to run, run in faith so that you may gain Christ and the righteousness that he brings into your lives. Because he brings that righteousness to you. It's, it's a work that God has done through his son, Jesus. And so that we can, be we can have righteousness in our lives. If you're going to run, run in faith so that you may gain Christ and the righteousness that he gives. Consider everything else. Consider it garbage. Consider it garbage. Consider it something to go in the poo bell, in the trash can, right? <laughs> throw, it, throw it away, right? What value is it? What value is that? It's just not worth very much to us. We, we throw it away because there's no value in that. You can simply throw it to the wayside because garbage isn't worth very much most of the time, right? I think the highest view of garbage that I have is when you take the stuff and you make it into compost, right? Uh, there's are, there are other things that you, you can use that are just as equal to compost, right? And so they're about equivalent. We'll leave it there from that. You, you, can, you can follow me on that. But we, we recognize that, that God has given us something, and that righteousness that he's given us is based in faith. Finally, number three, we need to be confident enough in Christ to strain toward God's future for you. You must be confident enough in Christ to strain for God's future for you. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? 
Because it is important as a follower of Jesus that you are willing to trust God enough to be able to move forward and to walk with him and strain forward. Nobody likes to strain, right? Nobody likes to strain. I don't know about you. We always try to find a way to get out of that. Here a while back, we had an issue with our plumbing, and I had to, uh, I had to take this 300-pound uh, piece of equipment down into the basement of our house, and, and I did it by hand to take it down probably what, six or eight stairs. I got it down there, and I knew that when I was going to take the thing out of there that it was going to take some extra help. So I had Jody. No, I didn't have Jody. <laughs> So I got a winch and I tied it to the, to the hitch of one of our vehicles and I ran the cable all the way down there and I started winching that thing up. I didn't want to have to try to pick that thing up myself. Otherwise, I'd be laying flat on my back for days, right? I didn't want to have to strain that way. But as followers of Christ, we need to be willing to strain in our walk with Christ. We need to be willing to look forward and say, God, where is it you're wanting to take me? And I don't feel like that we want to stay the same way that we have in the past. We must strain forward to follow him in his will and his plan for our lives. Look at what the man of faith says here. The apostle Paul, he says, God has used this guy powerfully. God has used him tremendously. Many miracles took, took place through the Apostle Paul's lives. God, God, God has done so much. And look at what he says here. He's had a transformation in his life. Look what 12, verse 12 says. He said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Then he says there in verse 13, these words, he says, brothers and sisters, not because they're related to him. We know that's not what he's saying. Brothers and sisters, they're in a relationship with Jesus. They know him. So we're all brothers and sisters in Christ when we walk with him in faith. And he says, uh, uh, he goes on, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I haven't made it yet. Look, this, this, uh, this older apostle of Christ who is in prison for his faith who has seen many churches planted in all of that area and has seen God touch the lives of so many people. And he said, I'm not perfected yet, guys, but I must not let that stop me from straining toward, towards God's future for me. And you can do the same. You can do the same as he did. You're not any different. He's just a man like you and I. He's no different than us. Some would say that Paul was uh, challenging some of the Philippians uh, who had uh, seems to have been claiming that they had perfect knowledge of Christ. 
But uh, Paul did not see himself as has uh, having obtained the final knowledge of Jesus in the full and the fullest obedience to him. He's saying, you know what? I, I don't know that I'm obedient enough to the Lord yet. I don't know that I know him well enough yet, but I'm going to keep pressing on and pushing on so that I know him better and that I obey him better. Isn't that the rest of us? I think it's all of us. So we have to recognize and we have to strain for what God is going to do through our lives here in the future. And some may have thought that performance of the, their Jewish rites back then could bring perfection to them. We know that because he talks a little bit about the Judaizers there, what we say. But, but Paul knew that wasn't the case. And one thing, one thing was that the consuming passion of his life, there was a consuming passion in his life. Is there a consuming passion in your life? For him, it was to know Christ. It was to know Christ. He wanted to know Christ well. Are you confident enough in Christ to strain towards God's future for your lives? Are you willing to strain towards what God has for you. None of us like to strain, do we? We like the easy path. We like the easy road. Let somebody else do it, and I will be a consumer. Let somebody else preach, and I'll consume what they say, and then I'll walk out the door and leave it at that. The reality is, is none of us are consumers when it comes to the kingdom of God. We're all people who have to, yes, take it in receive what God is saying and doing in our lives, receive when we're worshiping Him. But there needs to be a point in our life where we turn that around and what God has blessed us with, with the understanding and the relationship that we have. And we need to turn that thing around so that we can live it out in the public and live it out in the community where we live so that the lives of people can be changed. What is your consuming passion? Are you straining on towards what God has for you? When your consuming passion is knowing Christ, it will change how you live. And it will cause some things that you, uh, that you saw as so important before to become as worthless as garbage. It's like, yeah, I used to love this, or this is something I was really involved in, or this is something I really enjoyed in life. And you look back and you say, you know what, that's just garbage. It really isn't worth that much. I can really do without that because I know that I have Christ, the Savior of my soul, and that I can live with everything I have to follow Him. That's what happened to Paul. He began to realize the following, uh, that following the outward Old Testament human works didn't end up giving him what he needed to really have a friendship with God. And there's many people that walk in that same kind of thing today in the church. The church has been around for a couple thousand years now. And some people do the same thing in the church. And they, they, they become just like, uh, they just see it as just works. Yeah, I'm going to uh, be good. I'm going to be a good individual. And so then God will receive me into his heaven that way because I'm good or because I treat others well or follow the golden rule and all those kind of things. But that's a fallacy. It's fake. We do follow those things because God has worked into our lives, and so it should transform our lives first, and we become righteous, not based on those works, but it should challenge and transform us to such a level so that we live out our faith in a different way. 
So some use good works, others try to treat others well, and all those kind of things, and that's good, that's part of our faith, but sometimes all those good things uh, we tend to treat like a conduit in our life to get to God. You may ask, well, what does that even mean? What does that even mean, Pastor Mike? Well, a, a conduit is simply something like a pipe that can carry water from, the, from a lake to the, a water treatment center. Or, or in a conduit, you could, you could also use a, a truck and say maybe you, you, you fill a truck up and that truck fill it with water and take it to the water treatment center. But the problem with the truck is you're likely going to get some contamination from it because it's a different kind of conduit. You just dump it in there and, and dump it out at the treatment center. So you got a problem with that and so you, 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 it's going to be dirty. But the pipe is a good, usually a clean conduit. People try a lot of different conduits in this world, but there's only one uncontaminated conduit to God the Father, and that is Jesus the Son. He is the only way to heaven, John 14, 6. And he, it may not be popular because it is not popular in our world now. It's not popular like it used to be. But it's the reality that the Bible teaches us. He is the conduit that we need. And here is where Paul uses a metaphor of a foot race. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, he, he describes his life following Christ as being a continual forgetting of what is behind. All the stuff that is behind and relentlessly centering his energies and interests on the course that is in front of him. Forgetting. Forgetting doesn't mean destroying his memory of the past. You think about that. It doesn't talk about destroying our memory of what happened in the past, but, it's re but the refusal to let them absorb his attention and to stop him from spiritual progress. There are times in our lives that we have to let the things that have happened in the past, no matter if they are good or not good, that we allow them to go to the side, a wayside, and leave them alone and look to Christ and follow him. He never allowed, uh, the Apostle Paul, he never allowed his Jewish heritage nor his previous Christian accomplishments to hinder running his race. No achievements could make him think he already had all Christ desired for him. But what about you? What about yourself? Do, do you think you're done? Some may say, well, I'm, uh, I'm 50 or 60, I'm done. Or I'm 80 or 90, I'm done. No, you're not. You're not done. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're retired or disabled or, or starting a new profession. You say, well, yeah, I'm just starting out. So, so I'm done with all those things because I've got something new happening in my life. No, that's not true. God is not finished with you. He is not finished with your life, and He has a plan to work through your life. Do you think this church is done? I don't think so. I don't think so. If you do, you're seriously mistaken. Please don't uh, lean back in your chair to, 
to take on an attitude that God is really done with you, run your race. Run your race. Do not stop. Do not quit. Keep running with all the strength that is in you. And you say, I'm too weak now. That's fine. You may be weak right now, but he is strong. The things that the Apostle Paul went, to, went through should remind us that though we are weak, he is strong. And today we recognize that we have a race to run. As we wrap this up this morning, strain towards God's future for you. Strain towards his future for you. There, there are likely some of you here that uh, God has a plan for you that you wouldn't believe it if he told you in person. Kind of like uh, John the Baptist's dad, right? The Lord said to him, hey, you and your wife, you guys are going to have a kid. And he's like, what's up with that, God? I don't think so. And uh, I think we're a little old for that. We're, we're out of date, man. God says, you know what? You're not going to talk a word. No peeps out of you until that baby is born and this is going to be his name, buddy. That's what happened. Don't tell the Lord he's finished with you yet because he's not finished with you. Now, what he has you do may not be the same as what he had you do in the past. It may, it may have a different look to it. It may have a different feel to it. But don't say, not me, God. There's no way you could use me at this point. Open your heart and allow God to work his plan in you. Be willing to press forward. Be willing to strain.